It's Thursday Finance with Stephen Pritchard joining us and taking a look at planning your estate. We'll also um, take a look at currencies and commodities and we'll be welcoming Henry Jennings back from his holiday with our market snapshot. That's coming your way Thursday Finance along with your questions too. Stephen Pritchard joining us and uh, Stephen of course Council, Newcastle City Council met to talk about painting a rainbow crossing in Hamilton I believe. And um, mm, well, I think they're going to contr- commission a report to decide where of to course. paint the rainbow crossing. You can't do that straight all in one go, can you? But no. we did have that up on our Facebook page last week, last Friday, and there were certainly lots of really good comments from Yes, you. overwhelmingly it seems that the comment should be that Newcastle City Council shouldn't be wasting the ratepayers' money on, on, on things like that they shouldn't be involved in. I mean, really, I mean, the council can't maintain its existing assets. It claims it's short of money, um, you know, how much is this report going to cost? How much is the rainbow going to cost to paint? And and who's going to maintain it? I, I suggest if the council wants to have a rainbow, go and see a couple of the community groups, I'm sure, would only be too pleased to, to, to paint it on the road for free and maintain it for free. I mean, the council should not be involved in these things and the money should be used to cut the rates and charges. And fix the parking meters. You heard it first here. Well, was it first? <laughs> Two and your RFM's Thursday finance. Stephen, in the meantime, speaking about costs of things. Uh, going yes. on to commodities. Let's currencies, look at commodities. commodities. Um, interesting week on the markets, particularly in, uh, in uh, um, the Asian area. Um, the gold price was up uh, 1.2% on the week to $1,493 an ounce. It's, it's, it's slowly recovering after the low from last week, which was a low for five years or something in US dollar terms, not Australian dollar terms. Um, uh, silver price was up 1.5, 1. 1.15% to $20.24. Uh, copper was down uh, half a percent to $7,205 a tonne. Nickel was down uh, almost 1% to $15,300. $72 a tonne. And interestingly, tin was up 10% on the week. So I don't know kind of why, why tin was up to $22,245 a tonne. So it's it's kind of moving in the opposite direction to the other industrial metals, which which you you would have thought that all kind of move in the same direction. Um, so that, that's interesting. Um, so that pile of tin in your backyard, James, oh, yes, more valuable by the day. You mean the one down below in the <laughs> yeah, mine? Yeah, down below yeah. in the mine. And um, there was a copper mine at Merriweather at some stage. There was, was a it? Newcastle Copper and Coal Company who had some mine over in the 1800s somewhere at Merriweather. Well, with the price of copper at the moment, maybe it'll maybe get reopened. Maybe Merriweather might be mining the state again. Um, and the US dollar, um, the Australian dollar continued to fall against the US dollar. As as we've mentioned before, the Reserve Bank originally had a target of 75 and I think they now dropped it to 70. Um the, the um, so the, the the Australian dollar against the US dollar was down one percent, almost one percent of the week to seventy three cents. Um, the US cents, um, the Great British pound, we were down one point two percent against that, and the euro, we were down half a percent against that, and you know the Canadian dollar, we we're down one point five percent against that to ninety four. Canadian cents. So basically, um, the dollar depreciated right across the board. Um, and the world uh, markets were all a sea of red ink, except here in Australia, where the all ordinaries was up five thousand was up 
not by 5,000, was up to 5,609, which, which is about six points on the week. So it's less than one-tenth of a percent, but at least it was positive. So we're hanging on to that 5,600 Yeah, yeah we're hanging on the 5,600. I suspect once we dip below that, it'll... You know, it'll drop quickly by 50 points or something. We'll come in one day and it's 5,500 or something. Um, The the US Dow Jones was down to half a percent of the week to 17,751. The UK um, Financial Times Index was down half a percent to 6,631. And the Hang Seng, which is the the Hong Kong market, which to a certain extent replicates China, was down by 2.6% on the week to 24,619. And, of course, your favourite thing, Jane, the oil, oil price. Oil, the mate. oil price The oil price was pretty much steady at $66.87. That's an awful lot less than it used to be. Oh, over Just 100. a year or so. Yeah, yes. but it's come up. Was you know Early in the year, it was getting close to 50, so it's come back up again. But, I mean, that's a 60-odd mm. or 50 as opposed to over a dollar is, is like 50% reduction. We certainly haven't had that reflected in the petrol prices. Oh, no. <laughs> no, I mean... I'm know, living in dreamland. fantasy land. Yeah. Um, yeah, there is some Alice research reports, I mean, saying that oil is going to be $75 a barrel by the end of the year, and others are saying 100 I think the truthful answer no one really knows because, you know, Iran's going to start exporting oil again, another million dollars, a, another million barrels a day, supposedly, so... That, that should widen the oil surplus and cause prices to stay down. And, and oil consumption is actually, you know, actually falling. I mean, cars are becoming, an, an example, close to home, your car's becoming more efficient. You're using less fuel in that. So, um, yeah. And alternative fuels, a bit of electricity being used in um, cars. Um, yeah, electric cars um, and then and, gas. And gas. Mm. Um, I don't know that we burn oil in Australia for... Electricity, but but some overseas countries do, and that that's being changed to solar and, and gas, um, um, which is also more more um, um, environmentally friendly. Gas is more environmentally friendly than oil. Um, and then the oil, speaking of the uh, petrol prices, um, they were up half a percent in Newcastle to a dollar thirty seven a litre, which is the unleaded price. And in Sydney, they were down 4%, which was to $1.34 a litre. So we're about three cents a, a litre different. Um, the diesel price, um, we're down half a percent to $1.35 a litre. And in Sydney, it was pretty steady at $1.29 a litre. So the, the crude oil price has gone up, but the um, petrol price in Newcastle has paid pretty much the same. On to NURFM 26 past 12, and this is Thursday Finance for our sponsor, Pritchard and & Partners, and it's our market snapshot time. Now, it's nice to welcome Henry Jennings back. He's been doing a little bit of uh, investment product research in New Zealand. <laughs> That's what we call it, isn't it, Henry? Um, I think it is. Sampling some very fine ales. Monteith was my, my favourite. So who, who makes that? Monteith. I think it's I think it's a New Zealand uh, family owned brewery. Ah, so we can't buy any shares in it then. Unfortunately, probably not. No, no that's bad luck. Know. That's bad luck. Yeah, it is bad luck. It's yes. always good to product taste. Yeah, so I say yes. You know, recommending that on here. Then if we can't, we can't, we we can't, we can't get some cash for Comet and go out and buy the shares. Anyway. That's no good, is it? <laughs> no, no, definitely no good. And, and speaking of cash, um, the banks are rising their interest rates and uh, increasing yeah. deposit for property investors. 
Yeah, well, this is this is all um, this is all kind of being nudged that way by um, by the regulators and trying to take some of the, um, the the bubble, I guess, out of the property market that we've seen, especially in Sydney and Melbourne. Um, so um, the RBA has been leaning on the banks, and as a result, most of the big four now, I think, have raised their rates for um, for property investors. And also, there was an unprecedented move yesterday with where the AMP Bank actually. Uh, um, said that it was no longer going to lend to uh, to property, property investors. investors. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, they, they've they've drawn a line in the sand there. They're talking about uh, maybe till the end of the year, but certainly these are these are pressures that the regulators are pushing onto the um, the high street banks to try and take some of the um, some of that sort of bubbleness out of the um, the uh, property mm-hmm. market. Oh, of course, Westpac hasn't been able to raise their interest rates uh, to property investments because of um, IT issues, apparently. Well, yeah, it looks like it. I've actually got a friend who works for West Bank IT, so he's probably pulling his hair out at the moment. But uh, but yes, it looks like they've got some some IT issues. Um, you know, certainly uh, the, the best bank in terms of IT by a long stretch has always been Commonwealth Bank. Um, they've been sort of miles ahead of their competitors. Interestingly, though, uh, yesterday it was announced that National Bank, which is certainly uh, changing a, a bit of a changing of the guard there, I think, and a bit of a cultural shift happening, but they've set up a $50 million fund uh, for fintech. So fintech is sort of financial technology, mm. um, embracing uh, disruptive technology in data analysis and also um, in terms of uh, cash payments and all those sorts of things that we can do on our smartphones. So a lot of these guys are embracing this disruptive technology and financial services rather than trying to, uh, trying to fight it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Westpac's involved in that society one, which is which is yeah. doing peer-to-peer lending and offering yeah, a, 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 yeah. a chance you yeah, you can get your credit rating done for free at the moment there. Yes, yeah. I mean, Westpac and I think ANZ are the same, but uh, NABS has been a little slow to the party. But mm. under the new CEO Andrew Thorburn, they seem to be uh, certainly embracing an awful lot more uh, change. Um, as, you know, they yep. sold their US business and they're looking at selling their UK business and concentrate very much on becoming uh, a, a bigger force again back in Australia and New Zealand. Yeah. And um, speaking of forces, the, the former chairman of MacArthur Coal... Um, yes. Yes, has, has said that the... <laughs> the poor old coal miners. I mean, they, they've had a, you know, especially up your way in, in the mm. Hunter, it's been a it's very, tough. very tough, very tough, um, you know, and I think there's still more tough times to come. Um, there's a lot of uh, miners, they say, sort of still hanging on by their fingertips. Um, and um, there doesn't seem to be much sort of respite in sight in terms of the coal price. As you say, the, uh, the former chairman of uh, MacArthur Coal um, was saying that basically he thought that the good times would resume, uh, would return, but um, it was a matter of waiting and, and kind of hoping uh, more than anything else. So, um, it's, yeah, but at the moment there's certainly no no sign of that uh, in, in terms of... Um, you know, in, in most commodities, really, there seems to be an oversupply in commodities um, mm. around the world, um, and um, yeah, it's, it's not it's not been good. So this is this is a gentleman by the name of Keith DeLacy, who was a former treasurer of Queensland. Of yep. course, it has hit Queensland quite hard as well. And of course, he, they managed to sell MacArthur Coal at pretty near the peak. So, so they if, did, well, they if, did very if, well. If that's a judge or anything, we should be listening to him. And of course, AGL. Yeah, I think hmm. nearly five billion they sold oh, it for back huge, in uh, huge 2011 to, to Peabody. So uh, they, they all did very well. But uh, those halcyon days, unfortunately, are no mm. longer uh, around. 
That's right. And then, of course, AGL is under some pressure from shareholders to, to transition their um, power stations away from uh, coal, and, and particularly that, that um, Yoi Lang one that they've got uh, in Victoria that burns that brown coal, which is... Which is yeah. Yeah. So, 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 yeah. Well, I guess this is going to be a, a, a sort of a continuing theme, I guess, going forward in terms of, uh, you know, the, these old-style energy companies that relied very much on, on coal... Um, are going to be pushed more and more by um, by their investors and institutions to to embrace clean technology and transition to hopefully to a, a new kind of uh, environment. So um, so yeah, they've got an AGM next month. Uh, I think at the end of September. So there will be some uh, certainly some uh, some pressure there from uh, from investors. Thursday Finance for our sponsor, Pritchard and Partners, and Stephen Pritchard, our market snapshot. We're in the middle of it. What's next with Henry Jennings? Um, we just thought we might have a quick look at Beach Energy, which is uh, the oil producer from oil and gas producer from Cooper Basin. It, it's also um, going to cut its expenditure. Yeah, I mean, they're not Robinson Crusoe, I guess, in, in this one, um, in terms of, uh, you know, there's a lot of oil companies around the world that are looking to uh, to decrease their expenditure on exploration. I mean, this is one of the, the consequences of a lower oil price. So, um, you know, they're, they're certainly not Robinson Crusoe with this one. Um, but, um, yeah, I guess it, it, it's worrying um, for, uh, for the industry as a whole. But this is what resets the uh, the industry, I guess, is that the companies like Beach and Senex and all these guys uh, cut back on exploration and production. Um, and as a result, then the... Uh, the in, uh, it's only a tiny little blip in the, in the worldwide production, but it does sort of uh, send a message, and it's also they're not the only ones doing it, so it sort of sends that message that production starts to fall and prices rise, and then um, the cycle returns back to a sort of more normal stage. Mm. And BH, speaking of further resource into catastrophe, BHP is cutting 30% of its jobs in Melbourne. Yeah, I mean this this is probably not not great news. And then when uh, when BHP and Billiton got together, one of the conditions of the uh, Foreign Investment Review Board was that they were predominantly based uh, in Melbourne. Certainly, the Treasury Group. Um, this result um, with its staff cuts coming through will mean that that's sort of slightly broken that promise to uh, to the government. Um, it looks like Singapore is going to become the, the the more important hub for them as far as. Um, the treasury uh, function goes, but certainly it is uh, it is not a good not a good look. And you know, BHP um, is, is the big Australian, um, and it's sort of um, exiting stage left pursued by a bear at the moment. So mm. um, not not particularly good news. And then, of course, Maya is also um, um, restructuring their business again, and, and they're going to clear out a number of their private labels, which 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 not so long ago was going to be the big saver of the company. Well, yeah, I mean, I think I think one of the things they're looking at is, is rationalising the number of labels. And, you know, certainly when you go into Maya, it's a confusing sort of kaleidoscope of, uh, of, of uh, stuff. I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a bloke, so it's always always an interesting experience going shop, shopping for blokes. I mean, we just want to buy something and walk out again. But um, certainly, you know, there, there is a sort of a, a myriad of uh, options now, um, and they are looking to rationalise those to make... You know, little, little tiny shelves of, of designer gear um, is all well and good, but it's not making them a huge amount of money. So they need to rationalise their product lines and and, uh, 
and stop blaming the consumer for their woes, which I think the new the new man is is starting to do. So, um, you know, at Marcus today, uh, where I'm now working, you know, I'm, I've got to say I'm starting to come around to the fact that maybe Myers is um, is looking as uh, as if it may be a, a good bet from here. There's a huge amount of the stock um, shorted. You know, it's nearly 20% of the company that's been shorted by um, by people who uh, who believe it's going down. So, there's, there's any good news out there on on sales and, and margins will uh, will be a big positive for them. Because mm, David James is, is resurrecting themselves as well, so there's going to be a lot well, of competitive. Well, yeah, I guess you know, David James has got a new, new big South African uh, owner behind it, um, and Myers you know, mm. has obviously got a, got a fight back there, but they have a new man at the helm, and you know, at a dollar twenty-two, I don't know, it's it's um, it's got a bit of an appeal, certainly. Yep. And uh, Telstra, Telstra's um, going to um, challenge Apple and Google with a with a new technology with Netflix to to stream to stream yeah. movies into your house. Yeah, I mean Telstra's already kind of got this covered. You would think. I mean, they've got Foxtel and they've got um, mm-hmm. you know other um, other streaming services. So you know that we're now being bombarded with streaming services. Um, I guess what it is good for is 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 um, Telstra's core business, which is selling data to yep. people. Certainly, you know, as a, as a new Netflix subscriber, it's, uh, it became very apparent very quickly that my hundred gig a month allowance was nowhere near going to be enough, seeing as the kids had eaten it already. Yeah. Um, and uh, we had to go to an unlimited one. So, you know, there's there's some big moves happening in um, in the telecommunication industry. We've seen this week uh, TPG. Um, being um, green-lighted, at least by the shareholders, to buy IINet. Um, and again, I mean, as they move to, to consume IINet, uh, as long as the ACCC say that's fine, um, you know, we're going to see costs out there and we're going to see you know, more aggressive offerings there as they, they become sort of the number three player and a big player. So it's, it's an interesting space. Uh, you know, streaming is good for, um, for the underlying data providers, but, you know, we are now stuffed with such huge choice. I don't know if they, you, you're going to make a lot of money out of streaming services except from, from providing the data point of view. I mean, you wonder, you wonder when the, the, the content providers are actually going to say that, well, we don't really need Netflix. You, you know, if you, want to buy, if you want to buy or watch a 20th Century Fox movie, you can just go straight to the 20th Century Fox site or the, or the Sony site or, or whatever and just, yeah. you know, cut out the middleman there again. Yeah, well, I, I guess so. Yeah, I mean, there's always that possibility. Um, it certainly is. I guess that's the next iteration of the model we've seen. Um, you know, we've seen in music terms. You know, we, we, we've seen all the music labels put all their music on the iTunes, and then people can download the music from one platform. And I guess that's the, the joy for a consumer is that um, you know, if you want to watch a film. Um, you don't always know who the distributor is. You just know that yeah, it's on Netflix. So um, it just gives a, a one-platform choice. Mm. So, you know, we've had that in music with iTunes. That's moved on to um, to the Spotify's and the Pandora when you can stream all your music. And now we're seeing the same thing happening um, in movies, yeah. whether the studios themselves actually say, look, yes, no, we can cut out Netflix. I don't know. But the, the technology that's required to stream is not, um, you know, there's certainly, a, it's not oh, an easy process. Yeah, that's right. And you can, you can tell the difference between something like Stan, uh, which is a local one, compared to Netflix. I mean, the number of times Stan drops out compared to Netflix is uh, is, is 
considerable, and the same with the ABC iView thing, which is free, which is you know it's absolutely fantastic. That's a flagship kind of product, um, and they they charge no money for that, which is uh, remains a mystery to me. Mm. And just before we go, um, the Shanghai Composite Index was up three point four percent overnight. Uh, yeah, the, the government's obviously ordered people to buy. And yep. um, <laughs> Platinum Asset Management's launching a new Asia fund to mm. predominantly invest in Chinese stocks. So how do you think that will go? Um, well, China's been a bit of a, um, a lottery, uh, basically. Their, their market's had a massive bull run. It's had a very well-documented collapse. Um, you know, it's still above where it was, bearing in mind that when our market sort of... Um, uh, booms from 2008 to 2014. China went absolutely nowhere, so it was very much a lagging market. Um, you know, Platinum Asset Management, they're shrewd guys. Kerr Nielsen's a pretty smart operator. Um, you know, for a long time they've had um, exposure to overseas markets and they've been very keen on Asian markets for some time, so I don't think this is anything massively significant, but um, you know, there's a lot of guys out there at the moment raising money for um, licensed investment mm-hmm. companies, licks as they're called. Um, it seems to be a bit of a gravy train for these fund managers. You know, they're basically doing what they're keeping the same infrastructure they've got and just raising more money in the market yeah. and just duplicating it and just taking more fees out. Whether they're actually any good for investors remains to be seen, but um, certainly they're, they're good for fund managers if they can twist a few arms and get some money in the door. Perhaps we should buy the fund management stock instead. Well, ju- well yeah, I mean, sort of certainly, you know, here at you know, Marcus Today, guys, and, and, and us, we're, we're pretty keen on, uh, on the money. Okay. The wealth buys the money, boys. <laughs> okay. And Henry, just a, a comment. Um, one yeah. of our friends has rung in to say that Monteith's, which I know was a good family company, um, is owned by Dominion Brewery in New Zealand, and since 2013, that's been owned by Heineken. So you can buy shares in it too. If you know. Oh, yes, well, yeah, so you have to buy Heineken it. shares. Buying Heineken shares is not going to give you a lot of exposure no. to, uh, to Monteith. No. <laughs> No. <laughs> Unfortunately, there should be. If you do buy Heineken shares, you should get some sort of shareholder discount for a, a case of Heineken or a case of Monteith. I think. Okay, there's a platform to be made. Okay. <laughs> thanks, Definitely. Henry. Thanks, Henry. Henry Jennings Pleasure. from Marcus today. Uh, Marcus today, and uh, he'll be back with us for our market snapshot next week. This is Thursday Finance, and Stephen Pritchard. Um, we're about to talk about estate planning, but we're very happy if you've got a question you'd like to put to Stephen about um, your finances, then give us a call on 49216216. In the meantime, uh, time, Stephen, um, estate planning. Yeah, well, estate planning is becoming more and more complex. Um, um, you know, one one stage that you know people were lucky to own their house, but now it's not unusual to 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 um, find people with a house at uh, maybe an investment property, and you know, as time goes by, larger and larger balances in superannuation. So some some thought needs to be given into um, planning your estate because there's there's two things that are certain in life. I've been told taxes and uh, and death. And, and death. So um, the first step you need to do is think about um, is have you got a will? I mean, um, most people, anyone over 18 should usually have a will, um, and particularly if you've got um, uh, dependents, um, you definitely need to have a will in place. And, you know, after you've written the will, it, ne- it needs to be reviewed regularly. Um, it's no use... Um, 
you know, writing a will 20 years ago. And in the meantime, you've, you've got married, um, had a couple of kids, got divorced, um, bought a, a new house. Um, you know, the will needs to suit your circumstances. And, and as your circumstances change, um, you need to um, update your will. So what you need to do is, is before you run off to your local solicitor and get them to draft the will, you need to do a bit of thought about it. I mean, it's not just going into this list and saying, um, I want to make a will. You need to give a bit of thought about um, where the assets, where, where, where you want your assets to ultimately end up with. And, and this is to stop people arguing about it, is it? Uh, it's to stop people arguing and also to keep your legal fees down. I mean, if you go into the solicitor and you're going to spend, you know, they're going to charge by, you know, most of them by the hour. And, and, and you know, if you go in there and your wife and yourself get into a debate in the, the solicitor's or office... Or your husband and or yourself. Yeah, or your husband and yourself, in your case, Jane, about, about where the assets are going to be left and you're paying the solicitor to sit there and listen to all that. I mean, you're running up unnecessary costs. You're far better off... Um, deciding at home where you want the assets to, to end up with and and then um, putting on a piece of paper and going and get the solicitor to affect the will by drafting up um, where you where you want the assets to go to. And you, and you need to, you know, if you've got a reasonably complex um, or a, a some assets, you need to look at the tax issues as well because different assets have different um, tax consequences. Okay. Mm. We're not going into that right now, are we? Uh, yeah, we can go into it. I mean, you know, some simple things. It's like, for just to give a couple of examples, um, you know, you've got a husband and wife and you've got two children and they they own two houses. One's a holiday house and one's a uh, uh, where they live. And what they decide is that the uh, son gets the holiday house and the daughter gets the... Uh, the residence. The, the residence, and they think that they're both worth $500,000, so everyone's happy. But that's not the case because the house where they live is exempt from capital gains tax, and which the daughter's getting, and the son's getting the holiday house, which has got an attaching capital gains tax liability. So mum and dad thought they were equally dividing the state, the estate, but after the capital gains tax um, was taken into account, um, the daughter might be getting significantly more value than what was originally intended. So, 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 so you know, nothing straightforward. So in that case, if the son's inheriting the holiday house, the is there a value taken at the time of of the handover? Uh, the- no. The, the holiday, assuming the holiday house was bought after September 1985, um, the, the, the tax liability that occurs is, is calculated on the date of death. Oh, sorry, the date the house was actually sold by the son on the original cost base when the house was bought. Oh, I see. So there's no capital gains tax payable when he actually inherits No, no, there's the automatic place. rollover. But later on. But later on. But, but you know, you probably need to calculate, the, estimate the capital gains tax. And you, you can estimate it, and I suppose some estimate's better than none when, you, when you're looking at... Um, what you what how you wanted to divide up the estate so and and the other thing is that your superannuation uh, um, you know superannuation if it's paid to your dependent it's tax free and if it's paid to people other than your dependent the tax liability accrues on it so you need to look at um, how you're going to do that how you're going to pay your superannuation out and um, you know depending on your age and whether it's possible to run a recontribution strategy on your super fund and your work status to to minimize the tax that's paid in the end of that so so there's a bit of thought you know the average person might have 
as I said, it's not unusual, a house, a holiday house or a rental property and superannuation, um, and each of those has got different tax consequences. Okay, so is this something your lawyer can advise, advise you on, your solicitor? Uh, the, the lawyer should um, tell you that um, that um, once you go through the asset, should tell you that you need to get advice on the tax outcomes, um, but, but you should need to sink down and think about it. And if you've got an accountant, go and speak to your accountant about the tax outcomes on, on estate planning. We often get involved, in reasonable size estates, we often get involved in... Um, um, at the estate planning issues. So this could be part of your preparation before you go to the solicitor? Yes, yes, okay. yes. Mm. And then when, you, when you're drafting your will up, you know, if, if you've got um, grandchildren, you might consider, or, or children, relatives under 18 that you wish to leave some money to you, you might consider that the will establish a thing called a testamentary trust, which basically leaves your assets in a trust and, and the trustee can then distribute the income to, to the minor beneficiaries and get advantage of the advantage of the tax three thresholds. Right. Okay. So, does a trust have to have trustees? Uh, the trustees. So, so what you'd usually do is the uh, the children, your children, would be trustees. They'd be also potential beneficiaries, and the grandchildren would be potential beneficiaries. So, um, your children get to decide. Control the estate and decide which of their children can benefit from year to year. Uh, a testamentary trust is quite an efficient tax planning method. Um, you can usually only put it in place when someone passes away, so that needs to be done in the will. And once again, a bit of thought needs to go into that. I mean, they're, they're, they can be quite an effective um, tax planning vehicle, you know, for for an estate that's not particularly large. You know, if you know they've got a couple of hundred thousand dollar share portfolio, and and the children aren't going to sell that for the for um, to pay off the house or whatever they're going to keep that. The best way to hold that is probably through a testamentary trust. And would that be then set up before? No, set up. It's set, it's set, set up, up in your will by by the will or by, by the, the executors no, by who the are will. carrying out by the by the will. It has to be has to okay. be has to be written into the will. So that all gets put in place before in, the will is is finalised. Yes, okay. it's it's part of the will. The will's actually established the testamentary trust. And a normal trust, you have a trustee, a testamentary trust. The will becomes the trustee in effect. Okay. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. okay. So there's quite a bit to estate planning. Mm. And of course, something really important is you need to have a list of where your assets are and who your advisors are. You know, so someone comes and you pass away, someone goes into your house and they don't know where to begin because your solicitor holds the will, your accountant's got all your other documents and there's no documents in the house. And then there's this fishing expedition. So you need, at the very least, you need to have, if you've got one piece of paper you're going to keep, you need to keep a list of who's got your will and who's looking after what assets you've got. So estate planning, think about it big time. It's not straightforward. It's not straightforward. And uh, that's Thursday Finance for today. Thank you, Stephen Pritchard. Thanks, Jane. For our sponsor, Pritchard and & Partners. And we'll be back with Thursday Finance again next Thursday after the midday news. Um, we do have Julian Campbell coming up after the 1 o'clock news in two minutes' time. And he's with Business, The Law and You. And you can catch his program and this program uh, from on podcast from our website to nurfm.com. It's also available through iTunes. So that is an advance um, podcast through iTunes as well as through our website to nurfm.com.